guys, welcome back to another episode of the All Things Strength and Wellness Podcast. I'm your host once again, Robbie Burke. And we are brought to you by upmentorship.com, one of the top strength and conditioning resources available online today. To get instant access to almost 20 hours of world-class online video strength and conditioning information, go to upmentorship.com and help support the show. This episode's guest is strength and conditioning coach Rob Taylor. Coach Taylor is the founder and owner of Smarter Team Training. And to get Coach Taylor's full bio, head over to the All Things Strength and Wellness website. On this episode, Rob and I discussed many topics, including Rob's background and influences, Rob's coaching philosophy, Rob's training system, Rob's thoughts on neck training, the biggest things that Rob has learned in his career so far, Rob's top resources, and much more. This was a really great show, guys, and I hope you enjoyed. Okay, Coach uh, Rob Taylor, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on my podcast. Just for the listeners who might be too familiar with who you are, Rob, just fill us in on the background. Hey, Robbie, man, I appreciate the opportunity, obviously, to get a chance to talk to you and, and uh, hopefully share some insights with the, uh, the listeners. If we can inspire one person today to become great or achieve their own greatness, uh, I think it's time well spent. Uh, my my background is pretty unique, and, and uh, to be very honest with you, uh, to, to spend 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes going over it is probably fairly lengthy and, and uh, uh, fairly wordy. I mean, if somebody wants to read all the intricacies, they can go to Rob Taylor Jr., as in jr.com, and I got a whole bunch of things on there for, for uh, my background sake. But I was very lucky to play uh, ath- uh, athletics in college. I was a college athlete. Uh, I got an opportunity then to do internships all over the world um, during college and even after college. I got an opportunity then to work in the pros at a very young age, probably honestly too early. I mean, a lot of us um, that are in the field want to be in the, the, the professional environment. I got a chance to do it right out of college. I got a chance to, to be in the NFL. I got a chance to be in Major League Baseball. I got a chance to see some things in the NHL. I got a chance to see some things in the NBA. Uh, I got a chance to work at a very high level um, colleges. Uh, I eventually actually became one of the youngest uh, ever uh, head strength and conditioning coaches working at the UNCG. I uh, went on to do my grad work at uh, Delaware and uh, per- pursued exercise physiology there and uh, then actually got a head job at Loyola University of Maryland, which at the time was Loyola College, and spent uh, seven-plus years there with some outstanding people from the athletes to the coaches, administration to just the campus in general. Uh, I had a blast. Uh, during that time, part of our internship experience, and, and we, we were very lucky to have a lot of interns, uh, part of the, the, the experience there, and I think one part of the aspect of, of interning at colleges is you don't get a chance to learn about business. Uh, you don't get a chance to learn about lo- uh, marketing or social media. That's, I mean, you're just learning about how to get guys or, or girls ready to, to compete on game day. And so one of the big things we started up was a part of the internship program where they went through uh, creating events. And we actually created a, a conference that's now morphed itself into, I think this year will be the ninth annual um, Smarter Team Training Strength and Conditioning Athletic Development Conference in July. Mm. Uh, again, not plugging an event, but that's kind of what speared on uh, STT. I mean, it's got to a point where uh, STT was creating some immense visibility for uh, what we were doing through the internship program, and I figured it might be a good opportunity for us to, to, uh, to run with it a little bit. And uh, long story short, again, I got into the private field, and uh, now I'm on the phone with you, man. I got an opportunity to work with some incredible uh, kids from 11 and 12 years old, all the way up to the pros, the military, uh, get a chance to do combine stuff, get a chance to, uh, you know, you, know uh, you, never, you never know what we're going to do on a daily basis, to be very honest with you. Uh, it, it's just awesome to be able to make a positive impact on the lives of others. Uh, we are in a field that serves others. Others do not serve us. Uh, so if I can do anything on a daily basis to help someone else out, uh, I think it's a, it's a day well spent. What made you want to become a coach? 
Uh, honestly, I was in the athletic environment my entire life. My entire life was spent in the athletic environment. Dad, grandfathers, mm. uh, even moms. I mean, we were teachers, coaches. Uh, yeah, they yeah. were just, I didn't care if it was shoveling snow. Someone was coaching you the right way to do it. It, uh, it was just part <laughs> of who we were. And, and I, I genuinely enjoyed uh, athletics, man. And I enjoyed being around teammates. I enjoyed uh, life lessons learned. I like to get opportunity to travel. I like the I like not knowing every day what you were gonna do, but you knew that it was gonna be exciting. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, so I just kind of pursued that through through college, knowing that in the back of my mind. I mean, even when I was in in high school, and, and we can talk to high school teachers of mine. Uh, I knew I was gonna become a strength conditioning coach. I knew I was gonna go down this road. At what level or what I was gonna become, I, I had no idea. But I had a sincere interest in the body. I mean, I, I took cadaver lab when I was a junior. In high school, mm. uh, I was actually at a college uh, in, you know, in Penn State, Berks campus, going through, through cadaver labs uh, just to learn about the body in high school. Uh, and I just thought it was unbelievably, you know, cool. To be very honest with you, I, I just had so many questions uh, that that I realized, that, you know, at the time that we were looking for answers. But now I realize well, there's just more questions. You, you just uh, you just ask a better question, you get a response, and you, you develop another question that leads to more conversations with with even more people. So. Um, I just knew from the beginning what we were going to do, and, and, and uh, I was very lucky to have a, a bunch of people surrounding me that really helped put me on that path to, uh, to make a positive impact. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a great answer. Yeah, a lot of, yeah, I, I got the sort of sense off you that like your family or, or your, your parents were teachers, that you kind of have that sort of passion for teaching, and definitely, you definitely have a passion for learning. Um, after you, you just mentioned your parents there, and, and the next question that they'll probably feature in this too. Who would you say have been the biggest influence on you, both as a coach and then as, as a person? And obviously your, your parents will be in this, but anyone else, any you know, particular coaches, teachers, or in other individuals in your life? Yeah, to, to name one and forget one, I would feel sincerely bad because I've been very uh, blessed or fortunate to be impacted by a lot of different people. And, and I'll challenge the listeners uh, to actually pursue people who think like you and then pursue people who don't think like you. I mean, yeah. I spent... Uh, my, my background is in the, the high-intensity training type uh, lineage, if you want to call it that, and, and I spent time learning that, the science, the, the implementation, the, the ins and outs of, of that, and, I, and I'm learning more and more every day. To say I'm an expert in anything is a, is a lie. I, I feel like I am uh, lucky, and, and, and uh, I'm old enough to know that I don't know everything. Uh, someone else said that quote to me a, a while back, and I kind of kept that. I'm old enough to know that I don't know everything. And uh, what I, one big thing that I did is actually learned or, or went into an environment with Olympic lifting. And, and bodybuilding and the powerlifting realm and all and, it, and I wanted to know kind of uh, I kind of took it like a baseball you know a baseball approach or a sport approach I wanted to know what the opposition was doing I wanted to get the scab report of the other team so when I put my program together I knew what we could do to make it better than the opposition that, that type of thing so I kind of approached it with that competitive nature uh, that, I, that I kind of approach everything with and um, I think that was kind of cool I'll, I'll be honest with you when I left the college environment, I got into uh, the private sector, and it just didn't go the way I wanted it. And, and I was kind of salty about the field, so the the uh, I almost left. To be, I'll be honest, with you. probably five or six years ago. And, and uh, I have articles on this, and more and more people have been asking. But I, I tried to chase the word success, and I defined it by wins and losses. I was helping other coaches get extensions, uh, contract extensions, uh, kids get all American contracts uh, or, or recognition. I was getting helping athletic directors, you know, uh, make their lives easier or, or win conference titles and, and those types of things. But the next day, I had to go back to work, and I tried to figure out how in the world I was going to redefine the word success because 
I just kept having to work more hours. I, I made the same amount of money roughly, uh, but I had to spend more time. And so one day I just, you know, just questioned the word success, and I, I wondered if we could make, uh, you know, change that into the word impact. Can we make a positive impact on the people that are around us? And if we chase uh, making a positive impact, making a positive impact on one person each day, I really do believe that success will find us, and therefore uh, we'll be have we'll have success almost thrusted upon us. So I, I approached it a little, diff- little differently. So when I went to the private sector and I got a little burned out, and, and uh, by the time that you kind of acknowledge that you are burned out, you're probably way past it. You're, mm-hmm. you're probably done. Uh, you're probably you're probably on E in the gas tank. Uh, <laughs> I, had, I had a coach come to me who had a very, very young basketball team, and at the time he wouldn't even tell me their age or even what I was doing. He just said, hey, I want you to come and, uh, and just inspire some kids for me, if you wouldn't mind, and just be around them. I think they can learn from you. Well, it turned out that I, I learned more from them. <laughs> Uh, to be honest, uh, than, than I could have ever imagined. And I, I still get a chance to work with them uh, on an on a almost daily basis. And uh, it was a bunch of young ladies. Uh, I, I went from the, um, you know, the highest of highs in colleges working in, the, you know, number, we were number one in the country in, in lacrosse. We were conference champions for however many years in, in soccer. And uh, basketball is always very good. And you, you get the gist. Um, but it was, a, it was a group of like 9 and 10 and 11-year-old girls that really reinvigorated the, the passion for this field. So, uh, as, the, as far as the biggest influence, uh, it, was, it was probably what you looked towards. Oh, I mean, you learn you learn it from your athletes every day. Are you still there? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Thought, thought you were. I thought you were. You were going to join back. I was like, damn, Skype is after skipping there. Uh, another question I often ask uh, my guest Rob is, in your opinion, what are the biggest problems you see within the whole uh, strength and conditioning, uh, physical preparation profession? One of the biggest problems, well, let's, let's start there. One of the, one of the cool things, I'll, I'll twist that a little bit and then I'll come back to it. Uh, one of the positive things uh, I get a chance to see, and I get a chance to do a lot of education stuff all over the country. I consult. Uh, we host, obviously, our own events and those types of things. But uh, I enjoy seeing and meeting people that are passionate about uh, the continuous uh, process of learning, uh, always being a work in in um, improvement. Yeah, I mean, no one's ever going to become perfect. So let's just, just let's put that to, to the side. There's no perfect program. There's no one person that knows it all, uh, regardless of how opinionated or how egotistical someone might sound on YouTube or whatever else. Uh, it's a load of crap. I mean, um, you, you just got to be a little more humble. I think in the in the bigger in the bigger picture, you got to be hungry and, and humble. And I think that's a great philosophy to have moving forward. Um, but on the flip side, on the, on the negative, I also think that the, the lack of pursuit of knowledge, I mean, how many people are, are driving in a car right now or going for a 30-minute jog, uh, and they're not listening to a show like this? Uh, I mean, I host my own radio show. I know you do. I know there's plenty of other opportunities uh, it's out there to just get one rep better each day. I mean, if we're, if we're encouraging our clients, our athletes, to improve themselves, on a daily basis, whether it's eating, sleeping, hydrating, uh, strength, conditioning, uh, the mental side of things, the psychological side of things, uh, being better uh, mothers and fathers and sons and daughters and teammates, uh, why aren't we doing that? And why aren't we holding ourselves, our staffs, the people around us to a higher level? And you can read a book, you can listen to an audio book, you, you can listen to a podcast. How about attending events? Uh, get off of YouTube and, and stop looking at all the fail videos and actually start pursuing people who have actually uh, been in the trenches and uh, are willing to share some of the information that, that's been really successful to uh, their success. I mean, I, I don't need to get on and, and blog posts or radio show stuff or YouTube or do interviews. I mean, none of us really do. But I really do think that the great ones will not only find time, but that they'll make time 
to give back to the field because there's plenty of people, Robbie, that, uh, that have helped you and I get to this point. And, uh, you know, again, I, I compliment you for doing a show like this. I, I think it's big time. Uh, my, my assistants and my interns are actually listening to your show uh, with all the things that we share. They, they reach out and they listen to other people's stuff, and they suggested that you and I get on the phone just to talk shop. Uh, but even after this episode, I mean, the listeners, do yourself a favor so Robbie here can help extend his reach and his message. Go on iTunes or iHeartRadio. You know, click on a five-star rating, write a review. It's, it's very little thank you uh, to give back to people who are doing just a little bit more to help give back to the field. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate you saying that. And, uh, yeah, give me a six-star review if possible. <laughs> um, in terms of, you know, this is also a question I ask everyone too, just moving more towards the training aspect. If I was to pose the question, what are your or what is your training philosophy, how would you answer that question? Uh, pretty simple. It, it revolves around four things. Discipline, attitude, toughness, and effort. If you can win uh, dis discipline, attitude, toughness, and effort, if you can do that every single day, you can win on any date on the calendar. Any date on the calendar, we can be successful if we demonstrate unbelievable discipline, uh, a positive attitude, mental and physical toughness, and we're w willing to give more effort than the opposition. And we do that in the weight room. We do that, uh, we do that in the conditioning aspect. We do that in, in the grades when we hold our youth program, or in that, that goes all the way up to our college kids. Uh, I think that's something that needs to be built into the system of life. Uh, you need to be disciplined. You need to have a positive attitude. You need to be, um, you know, some have some mental uh, toughness and some physical toughness to you. I mean, there, there's uh, our, our shirts for this summer are coming out, and uh, obviously the STT logo, uh, you know, has the STT and the T's are kind of together, and it looks like another T. So uh, we're going to go with no strain, no gain, because I think your body has to go underneath a little bit of. Uh, a little bit of a challenge, man. You got to dig in a little bit and be willing to fight. You got to be willing to push a little bit past when the other person would have quit. If you want to become successful in whatever endeavor, academics, uh, husbands, wives, whatever else, you must be willing to push yourself outside of your comfort zone just a little bit. I mean, just a little bit. And if you do that every day, just a little bit, uh, you, you'll see. You'll be you'll be shocked at how far you go. We we talk uh, to our our youth program, our youth kids. Uh, that we get a chance to work with. Champions are made in nine minutes. In nine minutes, a champion can be made. When you wake up in the morning and your alarm goes off, that snooze is generally nine minutes long. Somebody, one of your teammates, one of the opposition that you're playing, somebody in, in another state or another country, you'll be fighting for the same scholarship you will be, is going to hit that snooze button and they're going to go back to sleep. I'm going to ask you that six days a week, you hit that snooze button, you do push-ups, sit-ups, squats, uh, you make your bed. You do anything in nine minutes that makes you better than them. In the course of six days, you were 54 minutes. Let's call it one hour better. If you do that every day of the year or every week of the year, you're 52 hours better. If you do that for a four-year career in high school, a six-year career going from middle school on up, I mean, you can be essentially exponentially better. Uh, I mean, uh, Mike Boyle once said, if you want to become an expert in this field, just read a book a day. I mean, read, excuse me, read one hour a day, and in one year, you'll become an expert in this field. I mean, I'm going to challenge kids. If you want to have a six-pack abs or you want to have stronger biceps or you want to just be better on the field, get off the bench and start playing in the game, just use those nine minutes in the morning to, to, um, to help yourself reach greatness. Yeah, big time. Big time. That's good, good stuff. Or you could, you could also go to bed earlier and not need an alarm to get up in the morning. Just get up, wake up before the competition anyway. <laughs> uh, 
in terms of your training system, Rob, so we, we kind of went over your philosophy, your training system, so by system I mean I'm an athlete, I show up and I show up to your facility, like what, what happens, what, where, where do we go from there, do you do a screen, do you do an assessment, do you do any profiling, like what, what, where do I go, like what's, what's the system? The, 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 uh, big, we don't do a lot of um, we don't do a lot of what some people would call FMS type stuff. I, I don't see the point of uh, evaluating somebody, and this is, could be confrontational, but it's what works for me. So I have no problem with that. If someone wants to email me, email me, Coach Taylor at Smarter Team Training. Love to have a conversation with you. Dot com. That is. Um, we don't do the FMS. We've never done the F FMS. The athletic trainers did. They sent a report down. Uh, we we did just whatever it was X Y and Z. They'd go out to play. They'd get a, a knee to the leg. They come back down, and we didn't reassess them, but we put them back under whatever load they they pass or failed on the FMS. But now their mechanics changed, but we didn't take that into account because we've already assessed them. So realistically, I don't know what we're actually doing when we do those types of things. So on a daily basis, when someone comes in, we actually assess assess movements and ask them. I mean, it's one big thing to uh, connect with your athletes if you want to win championships. You must build relationships, and you have to be willing to listen and talk to uh, and hear what the people you are working with are experiencing. And you must be able to ask them how they feel. They must be, they must be able to honestly say, man, my legs are just smoked. My, I'm tired, man. Uh, last couple days, I just haven't been feeling like myself. Or on the flip side, they might say, man, I, I got a great night's sleep. I, I ate well, and I'm ready to push. Let, like, I mean, today's the day. Let's go get it. I mean, you got to be able to get a little bit of both of that. If they're just saying, eh, I feel good, I, I look back at the coach and wonder how much of a connection they actually made with the individual. Uh, we generally set up in the shop uh, at the facility uh, two kind of sessions. We do either a one hour, well, we'll do team sessions that are 90 minutes or longer, but you, you, let's talk about the general meats and potatoes of the day. Uh, you, need, you either have a um, one hour session or a half hour session, and and the muscle in the body doesn't know 60 minutes, so please don't think that an hour is the perfect time. It's just a ballpark of what we got going on. So if an hour session is going on, we spend the first 10 minutes of doing some type of rhythmic, progressive-type uh, conditioning. And, and we do uh, heart rate training with uh, the treadmill or the step mill or the Versa Climber. Uh, you kind of get the gist. We do have some type of programmed progressive uh, conditioning that we find out where you are, point A, and we kind of monitor you all the way through uh, with the heart rate type stuff uh, experience and you provide feedback and what you measure kind of matters, uh, that type of approach. From there, we go into some type of stretching, which is where we're doing our uh, physical assessment. Can they can they bend well? Can they move well? Do they feel good doing X, Y, and Z? Uh, from there, we'll do some type of movement type uh, dynamic conditioning, agility reaction type stuff. Um, we're lucky enough to have uh, a system with Fusion Sport. If you go to FusionSport.com, we do some agility stuff that's reactionary uh, off of a lighted gate type system. Uh, we'll do uh, speed ladders and hurdle work and cone work and uh, agile bags from Rogers Athletic. Um, uh, just a, a plethora of things. We'll use tennis balls. We'll do anything we can to, to really excite your, your nervous system and do things at, at closer to full speed. Uh, from there, we generally go into some type of weak link to give yourself a little bit of a, a, a breather, if you want to call it that. Everybody has something that... Uh, just isn't as strong as the rest of their body, in my opinion. So it could be your ankles, it could be your hips, it could be uh, your abs, low back, it could be your shoulders, it could be your head, neck, and upper back, your jaw muscles. Uh, it could be the muscles in the in the lower trap uh, or rhomboid area. It could be your grip. Um, any type of any any one of those could be used in, in any you know just insert right there kind of thing, depending on what we're doing. Uh, from there, we normally go into something on the vertimax, which will you do? Um, we do what we call landing training. We don't really teach anybody how to jump. Uh, plenty of sport coaches do a great job of just asking athletes to jump higher or run faster. 
we're not asking for more. We're asking for better. And uh, I'm asking someone to land better in particular, uh, or in particularly. And then we also do some stuff off the platform where we have some custom uh, V8s that uh, do some extended range stuff that can go out pretty far. So under a late load, we're moving at high velocity. Uh, right after that, again, they're normally pretty huffing and puffing. We'll do the other half of our weak link program for that uh, segment. Um, then we'll go right into either lower or upper body. Generally with the younger group, our younger youth model, uh, we normally start with uh, our upper body program just because it gives the, the kids an opportunity to let their legs uh, kind of recover a little bit so they're not so shot. Uh, but our older guys, our, our college guys and, and our pro guys, we'll actually do, uh, we'll start with lower body and we'll try to be pretty aggressive with that, then go to upper, uh, then we'll go into some type of stretching. So the youth model would just go upper body, lower body into stretching and we do partner stretching with everybody. So. Uh, my staff, my, the interns that we have, uh, will stretch every single person that comes in uh, to our facility at the end. We'll do foam rollers if they want to do uh, the band stretch, that's fine. And then the other big thing we do at the end is uh, what we call recovery pumps. If you go to rec recoverypump.com, uh, not to just keep putting plugs on there, but to give people ideas of what we're using, uh, it's actually like a pneumatic uh, massage. Um, it, I, I think it's, I think it's uh, really, really beneficial, and it obviously adds a lot of uh, a lot of recovery or regen or re, you know refocus on how to uh, get ready for the next day. We don't we don't really uh, we don't really look at recovery as a way of uh, recovering from what we just did, but more so as a uh, as a way to repair and recover for what is to come. We want them to think about what they're doing now and how it's affecting the future, not necessarily looking back and saying, "Man, we just did you know 60 minutes of pretty hard intense ex exercise. Now I need to recover from that." It's actually more so thinking about how we need to prepare for uh, the next practice, the next game, or the next workout. Really, really good stuff. In, in terms then of uh, energy system development type stuff, where I, I know, again, it's going to depend on the athletes, but I suppose something I always often talk about with particularly American-based coaches is like you look at a lot of the high school and collegiate football programs, and for whatever reason, they're constantly doing glycolytic work. Like, what's your take on, on a lot of that? Like, I know you, you said you, you, you obviously train more than football, but uh, with the energy system stuff, would you still put that in the end of your sessions? And then, depending on the athlete, do you prescribe different energy system work? So if it's more of a, a football player, would it be more like a lactic power, a lactic capacity, and uh, in comparison then maybe to, like, a lacrosse player or a hockey player or whatever else? Yeah, that's, that's going to be a little uh, individualized, and it, that's not to avoid the question. I'll, I'll talk to the parents, I'll talk to the coaches, I'll talk to the athletes, and, and we do that on a regular basis. Uh, we communicate. Uh, I try to do things that we're not doing at practice. So if we're doing, let's say, basketball for, for the sake of, of, a, of a sport, if we're doing a lot of jumping, I mean, this past weekend I was with a team uh, that, that practiced shooting, and we had a shooting coach in. Uh, I think the, the environment was very good for them to just think outside the box or think as if there is no box. Uh, no one to judge. We just worked on shooting. Uh, it was about three and a half hours of jumping and landing mm. on on Friday night and another three, three and a half hours on Saturday. Um, I don't think on Sunday or Monday when they, when the kids came in to work out, I don't think we need to get on the Vertimax. I don't think we need to do more jumping and stuff. Yeah. So we need to work on strengthening or, or stretching or those types of things. Uh, we didn't get a lot of conditioning in, so they ran on the treadmills. And we did some, if you want to call it energy system type work, uh, we did our, our high effort type sprint uh, series. Um, and it, it's progressive. So each individual, as they get fitter, um, we do we do more work or workload on the body. And we actually do it in a, in a tapered type system. I don't know what periodization means, but uh, we kind of go from that, uh, let's call it uh, easier with less rest, and we start going to harder with more rest as we approach the season. Mm. Uh, and we, we kind of do that type of, uh, 
approach with almost everything we have. If you don't have a, if you don't have a a goal in mind, I don't know how you develop a plan or a system that can be set into place that can at least give you structure to work off of. So everything that we do at least gives us a direction uh, and a structure. There's a very a systematic approach that also provides a lot of freedom within it for the individual to say, hey man, I really like to jump on that treadmill because I mean, I, really, I, like, I think that makes me better on game day. Or the other person say, man, my, my legs are smoked. I was playing soccer. I know, I'm, I know I play basketball for you, but my soccer coach who, who you don't work with, uh, you know, they, they just ran us like crazy. Can I get on the bike and do the bike sprints and stuff? You have a system in place that kind of caters to everybody I, I, or, or gives us at least a direction to go when people need a, a little bit of adjustment. I think that's gemongous, uh, really, really gigantic um, when, you're, when you're working with a wide range of people. Do you think in the American model, one thing I, I kind of think lacking from my time spent there is that America seems to be like more, harder, go, go, go. They seem to really... Well, it seems like monitoring, I suppose you touched on this uh, when you were talking, but you know, you need to know your athletes and speak to them. So, uh, you know, the good coaches kind of intuitively know when to pull back. But do you think that like sort of monitoring stuff, maybe like HRV, um, that kind of more stuff will, will break a lot more into the American type setting, particularly in like the, the collegiate type setting, where again, it's really like, you know, just tougher, more, more is better, keep going, keep going until like they eventually break their athletes. Whereas, you look at the Australian model, Australia seems to be a good bit ahead in terms of monitoring their athletes. Now, obviously there's a balance, like you don't want to be turning lads into pussies either and then they're not working hard at all. But do you think, could you see that probably being a kind of a, the next sort of kind of uh, area, which particularly in, the, again, in, a, in kind of more the American setting, that it'll, it'll kind of break through a little more? Yes, heart rate monitoring goes, uh, I, I presented at the NSCA and then at the national conference and then a bunch of their regional events and I also spoke at the CSCCA, the Collegiate Strength and Conditioning Coaches Association, probably, it might even be over a decade ago to this point, and I outlined everything that we were doing uh, in, the, in the environment that I was at, at Loyola. We were able to actually keep the polar heart rate monitors on them during games. Mm. There is nobody that has that information that I'm aware of. I mean, MLS, and, and I know Dave Tenney's been on your show, uh, they can't have the guys wear it during games. Uh, Dave Tenney actually came to my office uh, when he was working, I believe, at George Mason at the time, George Washington, I, I don't remember which institution, but we played him in a spring game. And uh, right before he was going over to take the job with Seattle, and we went through every piece of data that we had uh, from the from the girls and the guys that, from every sport that would wear them during games for me, uh, practices, rehabs, etc. Uh, I thought it gave us a huge advantage over the opposition because yeah. we, could, we knew uh, how much fitness we had. And we, were, we had a, a much better understanding of when to push or when to pull back or even specifically setting up the weekly drills. I mean, a lot of times, uh, and I'm not trying to bash on sport coaches, but uh, there's kind of a, a systematic approach that they also have in, in preparation for game day, but they can't really tell you how much load is going on the athletes or even specifically, let's, call, let's talk soccer, uh, an outside midfielder and a center midfielder has two different ex exposures to stress depending on the, the way the uh, small-sided game is set up. Mm. So if you're, not, if you're not aware of that, you might be sending guys out to, or, or ladies out to compete that are a little overtaxed and, and under-recovered. And, and I prefer to have somebody that's a little um, less, less trained, a little more recovered, than having someone who's more over-trained and what we're going to call over-prepared. Um, because I do believe that in one, one little thing goes wrong, the mental toughness aspect of someone who is fatigued either mentally or physically, they're going to snap and break a lot easier than someone who's, who is uh, a little more 
mildly conditioned, we'll say, and, and more prepared to be able to, to handle that uh, psychological or, or physical load uh, when something doesn't go as well. So sometimes it's okay to pull back. And, and I, I think I, I'll, I'll give a lot of credit. When I was a, uh, a college pro, even an athlete, uh, as you implied, I'm American. So uh, we go and we push and we, and we attack. And I, that's my personality. And um, that's just that's who I am. Today we're going to get one rep better in everything we do and we're going to go. I got a chance to work with Team Australia with the women's lacrosse team and to get an opportunity to see how another country's culture, uh, the, the game wasn't very different. I mean, it was still lacrosse. They, they still had draws. They still had gold. They still celebrated when they won. They, they still felt bad when they lost. But, but the, the amount of time that they spent in relationships, the, the amount of time they spent in uh, ice tubs or uh, worrying about body temperature and trying to get that down or even sunscreen, the amount of sunscreen they wear over there is, is crazy. I mean, it was just a different approach uh, to the same ultimate goal, and I thought that was incredibly eye-opening uh, experience uh, for me. I've been to Australia, I think it's like 14 times. I've seen 17 countries, 36 states in America. Uh, to be able to go over and see how people do things in other cultures, uh, I think is unbelievably uh, educational. I mean, I, I would love to be able to go to Ireland and hang out with you and all the people over there uh, and talk shop. And uh, Whether we're running an event or a clinic or, or just sitting down um, in one of the local pubs, I'm sure, and just talking shop about what has worked for you and what do you know now that you wish you knew then. I, I just think we need to be a little more well-rounded in, in our approach with, our, with the individuals we get a chance to work with. Yeah, definitely. And uh, like, uh, you know, as you said there with Australia, different environment, different culture. And what can you take away from that and then implement it in your own setting? That's definitely a, a crucial thing to to get people to appreciate. Uh, just on before we started the show, one thing we were talking about is you, you were saying you get an awful lot of questions with regards to training for the neck and the upper back. Maybe you just want to address that here now. Yeah, the uh, one area that, that I probably get asked a lot, and we share a lot of information on our, on our social media stuff, uh, when people come and watch us you know, train, per se, they actually come in and we, we have an open door policy. Uh, there's some times where we have uh, some individuals that don't want anybody to come in and see us, but for the most part, uh, we'll have 12-year-olds doing head, neck, upper back all the way to our pros, our college guys, and, and the cool part about it is we don't actually ask them to do it, but we also teach them to a point that we ask them to uh, coach it to people who come in. Because when we find out how good of a coach we are, if you can help your client or your your uh, you know athletes, anybody for that matter, parents, if they can go in on and explain why you're doing what you're doing with the athletes you work with or the clients or their son or daughter, uh, they become a gigantic marketing tool for you. A big piece in your pie is having the support around the individual that you're working with and also the support for you. Uh, one of the things that we do that coming in, before you can squat or bench press or deadlift or I don't care what it is, you're going to do something for your head, neck, and upper back, whether it's two arm shrugs, whether it's one arm shrug, whether it's what we call woodpeckers, which is basically just keeping your head in neutral and driving your nose forward, uh, whether it's flexion, whether it's extension, whether it's lateral. Uh, we have pieces, again, from Rogers Athletic. Uh, you can go on their uh, blog. Search, uh, go on Google and, and, and uh, search um, Get Strong Blog. Mike Gittleson posts a ton of stuff, and I'm lucky enough to, to call him a mentor of mine, a friend. Uh, he speaks at events all over the place for me. We have uh, video clips on this from Doug Scott on YouTube that you guys can check out. Or, again, if someone wants to email me, uh, I will gladly send that to them to, uh, to learn more about how we approach that from, again, that youth model all the way up, uh, whether it's manual resistance, whether it's body weight. Uh, I will tell you at some point, though, you have to have a progressive load on a muscle to get stronger. Uh, muscles in the neck get stronger. 
muscles in the bicep, muscles in the pec, muscle, muscles in the, in, in the quad, the glutes, whatever. Uh, if you have a barbell uh, progressive program for bench or squat, and you're not uh, setting a situation up where you have a progressive overload for the muscles of the head, neck, upper back, and jaw, uh, I don't know if you're being as comprehensive in your program as you claim to be. I don't know if you're putting your athletes in a position to be as safe and productive as you claim to be. So uh, again, just take a look at um, take a look at your program and look around. There are people out there that are doing stuff that might be a little bit in front. I mean, back in the day when I started, ACL prevention um, was a big thing, and, and people questioned all the things that we were doing then. Uh, you know, again, being ahead of the curve, and um, you know, now we had this conversation. You know, talking about subconcussive forces and concussive forces, and uh, if you watch the NFL at all or, or any sport, I mean. Uh, Facebook has a video going around with a kid getting smoked in a, in a rugby match uh, that, that is incredibly, incredibly uh, dangerous on, on that whiplash whip type effect that uh, uh, just a collision, man. It looks like a 260-pound guy. I don't know what that is in kilos, but that's a big dude in America hitting a little guy who might have been 180, and it was just a, a pancake, neck-snapping type experience that, that, that might have been more than a, than a car crash, a collision in a car. Uh, if you're not preparing that neck uh, that head, neck, upper back type uh, experience in your athletes, uh, I think we're really setting yourself up for failure. And to, to say that you don't know how or you're not going to question why or, or pursue more information, again, I, I think that says something about you. And if it was my daughter uh, training with you, she wouldn't be training very long. I want to see people who are willing to go out and pursue more knowledge from others uh, and, to, and to ask better questions so they can put their clients and their athletes in a, in a great situation to be, become successful. Could you just maybe for, for the listeners, um, I know it's kind of hard over audio, but maybe describe some of the most common exercises you do use for the for, for the neck. And do you have like a progression? Like is there a certain progression in terms of exercises? Or of course, I know loading is a progression. Um, maybe just touch into that. Yeah, I'll give you a heads up. Uh, we probably we run a six-day uh, approach to uh, our program. So if you come in, let's say the base package with us, if you're coming to train with us, you got to come in a minimum of two days a week. So in a course of three weeks, you've gone through those six workouts. Uh, let's, I'll just give you an example of one day of, of uh, the head, neck, upper back program, uh, which might take us about 10 minutes maximum uh, to actually get through. Uh, we'll actually do protrusions, what we call woodpecker. So you're driving your nose forward on a Rogers uh, five-way neck, and, and it's a loaded scenario. Uh, we have young ladies that, that just start with us that might use zero weight. Uh, they might actually even do a body weight laying on their back, just taking their – if you put your, um, if you lay on your back and put your hands, like the back of your hands on the floor, so your elbows are at 90, your palms are facing up. If you just drive your nose to the ceiling, don't bring your chin to your, your sternum, just drive your nose to the ceiling and come back. Almost touch the ground. Don't touch the ground. Keep constant tension on that muscle and then drive your nose up. That's, that's, that's considered protrusion. There are some people that can't even do that with just their head. Uh, so then we work from just using your head and then we progressively put a little bit of resistance on there. As soon as you get done there, we normally go right into flexion. So you're going to drive your nose forward and then tuck your chin to your sternum. Do that to a situation where we have muscular fatigue or, or momentary muscular uh, failure, depending on how you uh, term that or what you want to call that. Uh, from there, we normally turn right around and we go right into extension, where you're tracking your eyes up in an arc. So you're, you're basically the, the backside of your head is trying to chase uh, in between a target point in between your shoulder blades. Uh, from there, we go right into two-arm shrug. So we're using both arms. Then we go into what we call a Gittleson shrug. So you take your left hand and you go below your backside and hold the bench. 
and the right hand has the dumbbell or the machine implement in it, and you're trying to pull up one shoulder as high as you can to the ear, and then slow on the way down. Uh, from there, we go into what some people would call a face pull. So you're pulling a band towards your face and then separating your hands. After we get done with, let's say, 10 to 12 good reps, we're getting to failure again, muscular fatigue and all these exercises. Then we go into an external rotation standpoint where we're actually working the external rotators of the shoulder. Uh, we'll do either one or two rounds of that. Let's, let's say anywhere between 8 and, and 15, even sometimes 20 reps, depending on um, that the novice are going to do a little more rep-wise so we're not getting as heavy. And uh, we'll have some college kids that will get in there and treat it just like a squat or a bench press. It's a, again, it's a muscle. And uh, we'll, we'll get fairly heavy and, and very intense with these contraction. Uh, we don't do a lot of stuff past failure. So if someone can't tuck their chin, uh, kind of like in a, in a bench press situation when they can't push it off their chest, uh, we don't do anything beyond, uh, beyond that. So we're just, in that situation, we'd be just racking the weight. Like in a bench press, you might do force negatives or drop sets or some other things, but uh, we don't really do that. We just go to muscular failure and then go to the next exercise. Uh, we do monitor it. Uh, we'll go up a, a pound or two uh, when you've reached ba basically between 12, 15, or 20 reps, depending on the rep scheme. And um, again, knocking out between 8 and 10 minutes of that every single day. Uh, we have about six different programs that we rotate through. Some people prefer to do manual resistance. Again, some of our younger individuals aren't ready for the progressive machine-based program, so we're doing a lot of body weight exercises with them. Uh, again, I, I would be happy uh, to share uh, the, the videos that we have and the content there. So if anybody wants something that's a little more structured than just the, the audio explanation, uh, you're more than welcome to, to send me an email, uh, check out our social media stuff, and I would be happy to share that information with you. Be before you have anyone uh, do that stuff, do, do you have like any sort of clearance? Like do you do you get them to, like do you get to check if they've got like full flexion, extension, rotation of their neck before they they start to load it? Yeah, uh, I'll ask, I mean, do, you, do you check their shoulder before you do the bench press or their, their hips or their knees or their ankles before you have them do a squat or, or their, even their low back before you do a squat? I mean, if you're not doing that, again, I don't know if you're doing the right thing. If someone came in uh, from practice or a game and, and they, they took a, a blow to the shoulder and it kind of shook the brain a little bit, um, you might want to, you know, again, listen to them. And we do the body weight program or the manual program or, or there's other guys, again, that, that haven't gotten shook. And they want to do the, the, the progressive uh, machine-based program. you got to kind of listen to them a little bit from there. But uh, we, we do if – they if, if they've had a concussion or a neck injury from a cervical spine, uh, a, a, a thoracic spine, even a lumbar spine standpoint, obviously the spine is a very tricky uh, – very um, – got to pay attention to it. Uh, even if we're doing a barbell back squat – uh, there's a lot of people who say you got to squat to get big and squat to get strong, and I'll argue that uh, tenfold. I, I would love to have the conversation because I've been very lucky to work with some very, very high-level athletes that have gone on to win unbelievable personal um, recognition and team recognition that have not squatted. They have not barbell squatted the entire season uh, that they were with us for whatever reason. And um, I don't know if you would ever be able to tell, oh, that person squats and that person hip presses. Uh, that that's a that's a joke. That, that one that one makes me laugh all the time when people mm -hmm. tell me that. Um, so from a from a flexion extension from a, a lot of, one thing that we really uh, don't uh, we don't do a lot or we definitely pay more attention to is the lateral flexion, driving your ear like your left ear to your left shoulder. Uh, because when you do do that, the way your spine set up is you're actually going to have uh, lateral flexion and then actually a little bit of rotation at each ver uh, vertebrae, which we don't know necessarily what it's doing to the disc as of yet. So. The only time we do lateral flexion, to be very honest with the listeners, is on a machine. We don't do lateral manual resistance 
Uh, we do flexion and extension. Uh, we'll do protrusion as a manual resistance or a band-weighted exercise. But from a lateral aspect, if you're asking for something for a, from a concern standpoint, uh, I don't do a lateral, manual lateral, um, you know, left-right type manual neck, if you want to call that. And again, I can send you videos if you want to see what that looks like, uh, but we don't do that uh, in our program. Yeah, yeah, and not to not to stay on this point too long, but I know there is some coaches who I personally know, um, they treat the neck very much like the the lumbar spine in a joint by joint in a joint by joint approach. So like they would veer a lot more towards just stability at the at the neck. It, they wouldn't like load it as a prime mover. So in terms of like loading, rotation, and flexion, and extension, they kind of would pack the neck and keep it neutral and kind of treat it again like the like the lumbar spine. Um, so. I don't know like Charlie Weingroff would, would be one proponent of that like he's very much about packing your neck and keeping it neutral and if you are actually going to do any neck work he'd be more of a proponent of keeping it stable like treating again treating the, the, the cervical spine like, like the lumbar and you know kind of going by the same training kind of principles like McGill kind of outlined and stuff so anyway there's many ways to skin a cap but uh I suppose ra- wrapping up, Rob. In, in terms of, uh, I always ask guests this: in terms of mistakes or the biggest mistakes you've made, and 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 the biggest lessons you've learned so far in your career, what what would you say would be the the biggest things you've learned so far? I guess uh, I mean, for doing this for almost twenty years now in, in the field, and, and beyond that, being an athlete and those types of things, I think you really need to understand and value uh, the relationships of the people that are around you on a daily basis. Appreciate those. Uh, that come in to train with you. Again, you, you, we're, we are in a field uh, to serve others. Uh, the others do not have to come to us. Uh, in, the, in the college and pro environment, it's a little unique as far as um, the athletes that we get a chance to work with and that type of thing. But as a college strength coach, you do very little recruiting. So when people are like, uh, you know, these are, these are my athletes, uh, I just want to ask them, you know, what, what the couch looks like in their living room because more than likely – they weren't there uh, making promises or helping get the kid into school, uh, those types of things. So uh, it's generally the sport coaches, athletes. You are you are working for a sport coach, and you better make sure that you're on the same page as that uh, that coach. Uh, I don't care if it's an offense coordinator, defense coordinator. I don't care if it's a fourth assistant. Uh, you don't know who necessarily recruited that individual. Uh, from a private sector standpoint, man, if you want to build your business. Send what we call morning messages, uh, morning mindset messages, and we just send a text to anybody that we work with on that given day in the morning. It could be teams, it could be coaches, it could be parents, it could be uh, just young players going to school, and it's just something about leadership or confidence or, hey, man, you inspire me. Uh, I believe in you. Uh, I can, I will, we can, we will. I mean, those those little things that just kind of pick you up. We need more energy givers in this field. Uh, and less people that are so uh, paranoid or, or interested in self-promotion uh, that, they're, that they think that uh, you know, you're the best, so you have to train with me. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that do an unbelievable job in this field, and, and they, they have won uh, in spite of their program and because of their program. I, I think we just need to be a little more receptive of, of learning from one another and, and helping one another. I, I think it speaks, again, volumes of yourself doing a show like this and just reaching out to people to ask, uh, you know, what has worked for you, and what do you know now that you wish you knew then? I really think that we need to value relationships uh, more uh, on, on a regular basis and reach out and tell people via email, on, on phones. Uh, if you get a chance to go to a conference or a clinic, uh, after a presentation, just walk up and shake the guy or the girl's hand, the, the man or the woman's hand, and say, uh, just thank you very much for the opportunity to learn from me today. 
those things go a long way. I, I mean, I, I get a chance to speak all over the world, and, and I'm very fortunate and very lucky to do so. Uh, I probably remember 90% of the people who shake my hand, and I probably remember 20% of the people who just attend. I mean, if you want to you know, expand your network, develop connections that can lead to uh, jobs or just an opportunity to ask a better question or to get a response or find out what's working from others, you've got to make yourself uh, available to the other individuals. And if you initiate that, I think it speaks very highly of the confidence of, of you as a professional and, and how much you're willing to do just a little bit more than the other person is uh, to become a, a, grand, a champion yourself and to, and to achieve your own greatness. Brilliant stuff. In terms of just maybe some parting advice to everybody listening, I, I used to always say, like, uh, what would your advice be to the young coaches? But I've got such a diversity of coaches listening to this, so I just changed it to all coaches. What would be your your, your one or two uh, bits of advice to anyone listening to this? I, I got a couple of stories, and I'll try to go a little off the, off the beaten trail here for you so it's not something that's predictable. Uh, I, I've been around, uh, again, a while doing this, and I've been a, around enough coaches that uh, when their player is a little late, and I mean two, three minutes, just that one-off player that comes in just for whatever reason, just a little late, and they bug out about it, man. It can, it can crash their entire day because that one person is a minute or two late. But on the flip side, that strength coach who doesn't answer the phone at the right time or, or not picking on, on either or, you, you and I even had time zone scenarios where we're trying to figure things out, but we didn't flip out about it. We just figured it out. You worked through it. It's life. It's cool. Just keep on moving forward, man. Uh, the, the person who you know starts yelling and screaming, remember that that's a son or a daughter of somebody? Remember that's a, that's a person you're talking to. On the flip side, that one moment when you need someone to help move your couch 10 years down the road, the way you treat that individual right now, will they be willing to come and help you? Yeah. If, if, the, if the answer is no, then you're probably treating the people around you really, really poorly, and you should really be a little more uh, introspective in, in how you approach uh, the individuals that you're asking to work extremely hard to sacrifice a lot of their life experiences at that point uh, to really give back. Uh, in, the, in the private sector, do a little bit more. Go to games. Uh, again, go to a, go to a, a choir uh, that one of your athletes is going to. Uh, just pop in at work and just, uh, you know, Bring it, bring some M and M's or, or Hershey Kisses, or I mean something that just will catch that person off guard a little bit, just to show them that you, yeah, you're thinking about them, man. I mean, treat it kind of like you, like a like you're courting a, a guy or a girl in a relationship. I mean, you you, you kind of ask questions and then you listen a little more. I mean, that's kind of how it works. I mean, it's it's the same concept. Ask better questions and listen, and not only hear them but listen to their responses. I think that goes a long way. Um, I mean, if you want more, simply just become more. I mean, you've got to be all in if you want to make a positive impact on the lives of others in this field. Yeah, big time. Great stuff. Finally then, Rob, just in terms of resources, I always love uh, getting people's resources. So, so like, you know, your top books, uh, podcasts, um, like the resources could be anything. And they don't have to be just uh, training-related. They can be anything. You know, it can do with self-development, spirituality, leadership, you know. And again, as I said, books, DVDs, online seminars, online summits, websites, DVD or said DVDs already. Uh, even individual people themselves, like so, certain experts in their fields. Like, what are your top resources for the for the people listening? Yeah, if you're a young professional in this field, I'm sure that your uh, academic advisor at college is suggesting that you take exercise physiology, anatomy, uh, care and prevention of injuries, uh, and, and they're not going to ask you to take a business class. 
They're not going to ask you to take a marketing class. Uh, they're not going to take you a, uh, a, a balancing your book class, I mean, your, your checkbook or, or even uh, a scheduling type class. How do you manage time management? And they're definitely not going to ask you how to do a psychology type class. I mean, those things, I think, are gigantic depending on where you are in this field. If, if you're not pursuing uh, – one of the things that I'm doing now is, is reading a lot about psychology. And, and it's not necessarily from a standpoint of me wanting to become a doctor in psychology, but more so from how, how do other people perceive body language, uh, your questions, the words you use. And, instead of um, – uh, 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 Tony Dungy uh, I, you know, in a coach's meeting once told us, uh, if, if you want to be heard, yell. But if you want people to listen to you, whisper. So in a timeout, instead of going crazy and yelling in that, just whisper, and you'll be shocked at how much of a message gets gets heard or gets listened to because you calm down, you allow your athletes or your clients to calm down, and they can actually hear your tone and your voice and, and the impact you're trying to make on them as opposed to yelling and turning somebody off. Uh, I think we need to use more powerful words, not necessarily more powerful uh, a volume per se, uh, I think the psychology of what we're doing, and, and I just did an event in Virginia, and people wanted to learn about our head, neck, and upper back, and our bench press program, and our pull-up stuff, and our grip work, and, and all these things. And then about 20 minutes in, they go, what's one thing you want to talk about? What, what's one thing? And I'll tell you what. I went through psychology for probably about 90 minutes. Uh, we were way over time on my situation. But people just started opening, uh, opening up and asking more and better questions uh, that, to be honest with you, some of them I didn't have an answer to. And uh, I wish I could have Skyped people in uh, into that presentation uh, just to ask people better questions. I mean, I'll give you a couple guys to check out. Uh, Stuart, uh, Stuart Singer, wellperformancecoaching.com, I think does a great job. Uh, he does a bunch of things with me. He, he's on our uh, YouTube videos, and I share stuff from him on social media. Dr. Rob Bell, does I think, does a great job uh, with the book called The Hinge. Uh, Brian Kane, I think, does a great job. Uh, Dr. Jack Singer, Dr. David Lamont. Uh, I mean, I, we can go on and on. Uh, um, Graham Betchart. Uh, I have a whole bunch of uh, radio show episodes with uh, some of these guys that are just, uh, just incredible, in my opinion, and just kind of open your eyes to something different than, hey, man, you got to get this one more rep. Uh, let's let's expand it a little further than that. How we coach people and and ask them how good do they want to be? I mean, isn't that a isn't that a fair question to be asked sometimes? Is just how good do you want to be, and then what are you willing to sacrifice to get from point A to point B? Yeah, yeah, great stuff, great stuff. Rob, finally, where can people find out more about you? Just maybe give your, your website and uh, and um, obviously where people can contact you, you know, Facebook, Twitter, and obviously through uh, a direct email. Yeah, people can easily contact me through smarterteamtraining.com. We share a ton of stuff from our radio show on sttpodcast.com to blog, excuse me, blog posts to our events uh, to videos. If you go to the Contact Us page or Contact STT page, uh, that, that email goes directly to me, and I will distribute it to whatever uh, one of our staff that can answer that question the best. I don't claim to be uh, the most knowledgeable person on our staff. Uh, I believe that I, I can put you in a position to, uh, to have someone that knows something better than I do. I will gladly do that, and, and that doesn't make a difference whether it's on my staff or others. Uh, we share a bunch of stuff on Facebook at facebook.com backslash smarterteamtraining. Uh, Twitter is at Smarter Team. We share a ton, and I am constantly on there uh, answering questions and, and doing that type of thing. Uh, and one thing we've just started getting very, very active on is Instagram. And we share pictures uh, from practices that most are closed doors, so you can't come and actually see. But we have our photographer and, and our videographer come with us, 
and uh, we share a lot of that information on the Instagram pages as well as some of the psychology type stuff that we do with our, our athletes, even some of our morning messages, morning mindset messages on there. And I think that's become a really cool resource. But uh, if anybody wants to reach out to me directly, uh, Coach Taylor at SmarterTeamTraining.com. I'd be willing to, willing and, and happy to help anybody uh, that, that's obviously listening to the show here. Uh, again, do me a favor. If you're listening to this show, uh, support Robbie and his cause here. Uh, go to iTunes and, and anywhere else you're listening to this and write a, a, a legitimate review for the man and uh, and give this guy a, a five or a six star rating if you can. Yeah, yeah, great. So thanks to me, Rob. Appreciate that. And also, make sure you check out Rob's podcast. That's, that's the first time I actually heard of you. I remember... Uh, I was just, I think I was Googling like Oliver Meal or Charles Poliquin and I was like, oh, look, they've done a podcast interview with this guy from Smart, Smart Team Training. So that was the first time I heard about you. And the one thing too was I noticed it was a video download as well I was getting at the same time. So I thought that was a bit unique because mostly, you know, on iTunes, it's always just audio. So that was the first time I heard about yourself. So guys, make sure you definitely check out Rob's podcast as well. You can get it through iTunes. Um, so that's it for today, guys. Uh, we really want to thank Coach Rob Taylor for coming on and sharing us sharing all of his knowledge and there was great information throughout that that interview for everyone listening um please keep supporting the show go to upmentorship.com as well to get one of the top strength and conditioning resources available online and also as rob kindly have already has alluded to twice if you can go to itunes and leave a review because that really helps bump up the old show so that's it for today guys i'll talk to you soon take care and stay strong